Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen, and this is episode 199. No James today. This weekend I was up at Edinburgh for the Fringe, and coming up we've got a discussion about the latest trends, and after that I'll be talking about the Jerry Sadowitz show Cancellation, uh, which we only heard about after our discussion. Before we get into that, uh, a couple of announcements. Some of you may already have worked out that our next show will be episode 200. Ooh. Yes, and to celebrate that, we'll be recording live, as close as possible to transmission, and we're inviting our Patreons to join us. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll be taking questions and talking about everything that's changed or stayed the same, good and bad, since we first started recording these seven years ago. Uh, We'll be recording it live on Tuesday the 30th of August, 6.30pm. If you want to join us, uh, you can sign up to Patreon for as little as £2.50. And you'll find us at Patreon, Patreon slash Sitcom Geeks. And you can join and sign up there for the login. Uh, Friday, tomorrow, as the recording goes out, uh, Friday the 19th, sees the start of my 10-day run of free emails in which I explore the question, what is comedy drama? ahead of this autumn's BBC Writers' Room open call for comedy drama scripts. Uh, Packed with advice, lots of interesting comments from BBC Writers' Room execs and top writers in the field. Um, Don't worry if if it's past Friday now. You can email me, funnyup02 at gmail.com, and I'll send you uh, all the emails that have already gone out. Also, next Tuesday... 23rd of August. Apologies for using this word, but I'm running a free webinar at 7pm British Summertime on writing topical comedy. I'll be joined by a number of writers on current shows, including some who've taken our topical course and got their first radio credits as a result. So to sign up for the comedy drama emails or the (coughs) webinar, or both in fact, uh, you can email funnyup zero two at gmail.com that's funny up zero two at gmail.com okay on to the chat and in this episode i'm joined by stand-up comedian charmian hughes a sketch performers ralph jones and vivian armand aka the awkward silence and british comedy guide supremo mark boosie and we talk about current trends at the fringe and what they mean for new writers and performers Finding a quiet room in Edinburgh is always a challenge. We came close this week, but apologies for the occasional background yabbering. Okay, let's get on with the chat. Uh, I'm Charmian Hughes. I'm here to do a show called Charmian Hughes, She! Exclamation mark, Immortal Horror Queen's Guide to Life. Uh, my name is Ralph Jones. I am 50% of The Awkward Silence, uh, up here with two shows. And for a week, I am also doing Criminal Improvised Murder Mystery. Hi, I'm Vivian Almond. I'm the other half of The Awkward Silence, appearing with Ralph in our musical, The Awkward Silence's Big Break, and sketch show, Enter the Vortex. I'm Mark Boozy, editor of the British Comedy Guide, and I'm up here to see some shows and report on them. Fantastic. So I had to make everybody do everything twice there. So there was a, a bit of a, dare I say, awkward silence uh, as we did that. This is very informal. I've just come up. Uh, I used to come to the Fringe up in the, in the sort of 80s and uh, 90s. And um, then it all changed for me. And I've noticed the same, actually. Um, I've noticed more things that are the same to me than, than, than are different. But I'd just quickly like to ask you, Charmin, you came up here briefly in the 80s. And, uh, but you know that whole kind of scene. And that, that sort of created the Edinburgh comedy 
thing that is now. How, how much do you think it has changed since that time? Well, I think in the 80s, it was so chaotic. I think when I came, the Pleasance had opened as a venue for the first time. Now it's so organised and massive queues for giant productions that is, it, it's like the West End of London with, you know, with Harry Potter spontaneous yeah. stuff, which I'd never seen before. Yeah. So, Ralph and Vivian, you're relatively new uh, to, to the world of performing. I, rel- I know you've been around for a while. Ralph, by the way, was a winner in the uh, British Comedy Guide, uh, Sitcom Geeks, Writer uh, Scene Competition way back. And very funny scene, I remember. And uh, I saw I saw you performing here. But um, So you've kind of been around for a few years. What's your approach to coming to Edinburgh in the 2020s? Yeah, sure. Well, we were aiming to come up in 2020 with our show. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, everything that happened, happened. And so we have, you know, the show has been gestating for a long time. So we feel like we have been um, preparing our musical for a long time and so our approach has been trying to make it you know as good as we possibly can um obviously same with the sketch show but we haven't done a full run since 2014 so we are kind of um you know not necessarily used to the rhythms of the fringe and uh i think it's worth saying that as performers you know when you're doing 52 shows in a month you know you're doing basically what for us would probably be a you know a year's worth of gigs um, and what I've noticed over the last 10 days that we've been here is that we've learned um, a huge amount and, you know, gradually, gradually, gradually improved the shows. But also that there's still that element of um, subjectivity. So you still absolutely can't predict whether uh, a room full of 20 is going to be uh, a better show than a room of four people. Um, because it might be the four best audience members you've you've ever had or the 20 worst so there's no there's there's no there's still no logic there uh, yeah. even if we are improving you still you still can't quite second guess the the crowds here which is which is which is quite strange and um so uh, vivian if i could mention the the elephant in the room because we're we're we're, uh, we're in edinburgh so there happens to be an elephant in the room that's, that's just <laughs> kind of normal thing really but no actually yeah. well the and again the big difference i think from when charming and i were doing back in the 80s and 90s the uh, financial uh, commitment yeah. and uh, i wonder what um what was your what, what apologies for the, the sort of conversations going on a little bit in the background and hopefully we're picking up most of this but what's your bank manager going to be saying to you on <laughs> september the 1st um, well, yes, um, and speaking as my own bank manager and the, uh, the bursar of my own finances, um, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there are going to be some lean times after this. Um, it's quite an outlay for anyone wanting to put on a show of, of any size. I mean, ours is a two-man show without any set um, that, we, that we wrote with a, a composer friend of ours, um, and even that. Has, uh, has absolutely um, delved into my savings. So um, it, it's, a, it's a serious, I'd say, because coming to Edinburgh for me is really returning to my youth. I first came up with a show from school and then did a number while I was at university, then a massive gap. So in those days, it, it never seemed like uh, a big outlay or anything either. Either it was being funded by an institution or we were making money um, on shows um, during the year that we then spent on a flat and on paying for the venue costs. Yeah, so the, the money never really touched me before. And it's only 
coming back now as a, a fully card-carrying adult, but I'm uh, feeling the pain. Mm. <laughs> How do you feel, Charmian? Well, I'm really lucky, Dave, because I've now got my pension. <laughs> uh, and I've got a beautiful flat, which wasn't more than the normal rate. So I'm treating it as kind of luxury break, as well as a you know, as doing my show, I do one of the free fringe models where people can pay what they want at the end. And the glory of stand-up is it's just you. You don't need anything else. So um, it's not too bad, to yeah. be honest. I mean, that's the interesting thing, Mark, isn't it, about, you know, for all our listeners anyway, people who are starting out and they're, they're you know, you must feel intimidated when Charmian talked about, you know, the, the Harry Potter experience and uh, I know, I was walking past the assemblies uh, rooms yesterday and I thought, you know, that bar, box office, and then in little letters underneath uh, the venue here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Mark, you have a similar situation. I mean, your readers, viewers, whatever, anyone who's interested in coming up here uh, must be kind of intimidated by the, by the uh, costs and things. Have you noticed much of a change in the years <coughs> you've been coming? The, the, the biggest change has been the accommodation costs. Yeah. I won't bore everyone about it for ages, but essentially there's less mm. rooms than there were, partly because of COVID, people not wanting to let people into their spare rooms. Mm. And there's been a law change up here, which means students uh, are now allowed 12 months rent, whereas previously it was 11. So there's a lot less rooms available. Um, and a hotel room for even a couple of nights can be a lot of money. So <clears> if people can get over the accommodation costs, it's 100% worth coming up here and not being intimidated because you can just bumble around and find wonderful shows and be flyed and before you know it you're in something a brand new experience but yeah the accommodation costs have become a concern here particularly this year and it's worth saying that we've we've never we've never actually paid for accommodation where we've done an edinburgh run so now yeah. we're, we're staying with my cousin and then a family friend and we basically did the same model in 2014 and i think we we think even harder about doing a full run if we had to pay for accommodation because it might be workable because yeah. the cost without it, I mean, this year we paid for PR, so so it's, it is more um, it's more substantial this year. But um, you know, the accommodation costs are enough, I think, to basically put you off doing a show here. Um, well, I've got at least one friend who isn't coming up. Really wanted to come up and see our show, visit the fringe, but they they were really ready to pay the uh, the train prices, but um, hadn't been able to find anywhere affordable either here or nearby. Um, I think we're going to see a model actually where students who can no longer be evicted uh, for the mm -hmm. summer are going to be subletting, mm. right? Um, and that's going to be very nerve wracking <laughs> for us as performers, as you hear the landlady knocking on the door saying, "Have you got friends?" But surely they're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give you an idea of price, uh, the Holiday Inn is charging two hundred and sixty pound a night. So uh, right. you can yeah. you can stay for long without yeah. a spare yeah. room. Yeah. Okay. So first rule of uh, comedy then is have a cousin living in Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pick a family member, lean on them hard, get them yeah. to move to Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. Marry someone. Marry yeah. someone in Edinburgh. I mean, that was how I did it. I, I you know, I've got friends who lived in Edinburgh, and I stayed with friends. I, I, I mm. that's always, that was always the only way that I could afford to come up year after year. And obviously, so, performers, you know, are living on top of each other. That's that tends to be the model here that you yeah. you get a big flat and then <laughs> and then you um, essentially sleep, you know, five to a room just just to just not only because it's great to be in the same boat and but bed, I guess, you know, as as your fellow performers, but also. The more the more you are, the, the the lower the costs. I think it's quite tricky for 
stand-ups, you know, uh, if they're not in a in a big group of performers, not in a big cast, not in a sketch group, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because they're bearing the cost um, solo. You know, it must it, I think I think mentally and financially it must be a bit harder. Mark, I just wanted to ask: Have you noticed uh, many trends and sort of changes and things? And in, uh, in, I mean, I know there's been a couple of years break and stuff, but over the uh, what, what, what's 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 happening? What's big at the moment? This, yeah, uh, as you say, I've come back up, and surprisingly, little's changed. The council's still digging up the roads. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the free fringe is still growing. But I think the biggest change this year is the rise of viral videos resulting in sellout shows so right. people like uh, Troy Hawk, um, uh, Rosie Holt, uh, Alistair Beckett King have all mm. had big online video successes uh, have already filled out their rooms to the extent that Troy Hawk who if you haven't seen it, he does greeters videos in a character outside supermarkets and things has just announced a date at the McEwen Hall which is a huge venue here yeah. uh, an extra date so that goes to show how power yeah. that and set shift tickets Mm-hmm. So the the the, the, re- the return of the sketch, in, whether online or in your case uh, live, you you do uh, sketch comedy as well. Have you? Um, well, sketch comedy is very much out of fashion at the moment with with TV commissioners and things, but it's very much well, yeah. a big thing now, isn't it? In, on the I've, fringe, um, I was saying to Vivian that I well no maybe someone else, but I was saying that it looks like a good it looks like a good year for sketch um, this year. It seems like. Um, there are quite a number of promising groups, and it, it, you know, I guess people always talk about the the comeback, you know, kind of sketch comeback, and probably every year Edinburgh goes through that conversation. But um, it does yeah. seem like there's a lot of you know a, a lot of promising acts this year, and maybe that's partly because of the um, relationship with with online, and um, you know, as Mark was saying, you know, people basically finding their voice online in the last few years, and then you know, basically mounting an Edinburgh Fringe run off the back of it. That's not the model we've gone with because we still can't work out how to make online videos. But, yeah, um, we had to go yeah. becoming online, <laughs> online superstars and um, didn't, didn't find them out. No, no, we, we were just online without the superstars. Xiaomi, <laughs> Char- have you considered going online? Well, then? do you know, my husband is now a tour guide who has a million followers on TikTok wow. and I can't translate it to me because I, I <laughs> connect with a live audience and for me it's a thing that, that, that happens every time you perform. It's a unique moment that can never be repeated. And there's something kind of poignant and existential about the fact that it then dissolves into nothingness. Mm. But I'd be stuck forever on TikTok, haunting <laughs> myself. So um, I'll give it a go, but yeah. ugh, don't hold your horses. <laughs> it's go. kind of, I mean, the stand-up thing really happened in the late 80s early 90s didn't it in edinburgh yeah. and that was uh, you know that the the, the, cir- the london circuit kind of moved to edinburgh and i think so now people have much more of a narrative content to their stand-up people audiences expect you know sad mm. bit in the middle some revealed secret yeah. um you mm. know if you a haven't got trick. secrets do you think <laughs> that's that, such loud mouth yeah. does that help for obviously People of our people of our generation, we have we have a backstory now, and maybe when yeah. you come up in your mid twenties and you're you know straight out of college or whatever, and it's more bang bang gag gag, yeah. but, uh, but uh, audiences appreciate the kind of. Oh, I think you've got to have gag 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 gag, otherwise yeah. you're not a stand up comic. But I think with the younger ones, they've all got a tale to tell, some discovery. Um, I think yeah, I think I've seen uh, uh, an increase in the number of shows that are essentially. Um, this extraordinary thing happened to me, 
and now I've written a show about it. I think that's become a bigger selling point. Mm. Um, I mean, I can't speak for, you know, the, the kind of 80s and 90s stand-ups, but I would imagine that you had more pressure on jokes as opposed to pressure on narrative. And this year and this, this, this kind of era, I suppose, it's much more about, um, you know, I have this extraordinary, unique thing about me, and therefore that's why you should come and see my show. Um, not just the kind of dead dad, you know, trope, but the, the kind of, I'm blind, or identity. you know, this is, this is my, this is my <laughs> unique perspective. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. Identity and self yeah. discovery. I yeah, yeah. I think that's as much a kind of a TV commissioner's thing as yeah. well, isn't it? The the, uh, the why why you the, the writer yeah. performer over the over the writer being being picked for that. I don't know if you noticed that, Mark, with the sort of commissions that are coming through on TV. Yeah, I, I know you spoke about this on this podcast before, but. Um, the, the benefit of a commissioner being able to see and hear mm. something rather than just read a script, they kind of get that. Yeah. That's why they're coming up at the end of the month at the TV festival and they'll come and see shows here because rather than read lots of scripts, they can very quickly see someone and go, well, yeah, that translates, that would translate to the screen. And, and similarly, it's worth saying, you know, for any hotshot agents, um, producers out there, that, you know, if you have a show like ours, you don't really know necessarily until you see it how it's going to um how it's going to how funny it's going to be basically yeah. so you could you could read the script and think okay these guys have written a script but maybe they can't do any of the voices you know maybe they're absolutely terrible yeah. with um you know with timing and accents and and, and audience interaction so so you yeah. have to come to the show to prove that to yeah. be true yeah so so you find out that that is true we're we're, we're terrible at all those things <laughs> um no you know you, you that's that's the value of the fringe is you come up and, and you can and you can uh work out whether someone works as a live performer yeah. which obviously you can't you, you can't do in um, digital form if someone's just sending you a script. Yeah, I, I saw a show last night uh, called Myra Dubois. Uh, mm. It's a drag act, uh, mm. and she's a uh, agony aunt. I reckon on paper it wouldn't look that good. Mm. Yeah. It would be very hard to describe. But when you see it in person, it's like, oh, this would work as a TV show. This is perfect. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, some things just don't work written down. Yeah. I've heard great things about her. Was it fun? Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Laugh, a, laugh a minute. Um, bad, laugh a second. Yeah. Laugh a second. Laugh a millisecond. I'd love to see somebody doing a, a kind of bio-tragic comedy show about something totally inconsequential. You know, take something like Missing a Bus mm, yeah. and just taking the complete piss out of all I'm that. I'm sure there have been those people. I'm sure those shows have been done, mm. actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember that Anorak of Fire. That's the oh, one I remember. God, yeah. The guy, yeah. the train spotting guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, before yeah. train spotting, we are of course in the city, <laughs> the great literary city of uh, mm, train spotting yeah. and Walter Scott and Waverley, whatever. Um, yeah, and I mean that's that's um, a, a good point as as well. I mean, there's a, you know that you've got a, got an eye. I guess you guys have got a kind of an an, an eye on the the BBC producers and the tv i think again our generation we're mm. less kind of expectant of, of mm. that now mm. but mm. i'd you... like to be on just a minute <laughs> yeah. i've got a face oh, for yes. radio yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be great on just a minute i know i would be great i would be great on just a minute yeah you said that i've got a mesmerizing voice because people think i sound like the queen so they, they they have a subliminal respect yeah. But yeah. they'll be they tune in, they think, oh, they... the, the Queen's doing just a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
was I'm going to, I mean, we we absolutely are are looking for those things, and and my ambition very much one day is to be on Radio Four. Although actually, I'd like to read the shipping forecast. Uh, but, yeah, but um, it's yeah, hard yeah. to know where. Well, if one were being calculating about it, and we're not really, we tend to write things that we think are funny and put them out there regardless of prevailing fashion. But hard to know whether that trend for online video success, whether those little sketches are, whether that's a major change and something that we should expect to see in the coming years, or really just the effect of people being stuck in their houses for two years. And once people have spent a year or two back in the real world, back seeing live shows, is that avenue of success going to be open to people who are doing little online videos? Is anyone going to be watching? I think, I mean, partly, yes, they're sort of watching on their phones, so that's not going to go away. But I think also, mm. I was talking to uh, a friend last night, and we were just talking about, like, for instance, when I was doing shows in, in the 80s, and I would get an audience, it was generally if I had a very good show, I'd get an audience quite quickly. And it would it was all local people. And it was that that's partly why and James and I have talked about how the you know, is the is the festival gonna survive? But it strikes me that there is always this thing of uh if you've got a good show and it only takes a few locals to mm. see them and they go to their work and they say, I've seen this, mm. you must go there. Mm. And I, I would notice it at the end of week one if I had a few locals in and the show was going really well yeah. that I'd be selling out and I could tell just by listening to the voices that they're coming in they're all local people so <laughs> so there's that aspect that keeps it going and if it isn't two minute videos then something else new might come along mm. and that's keeps also, the is, is it going to be the fringe I mean if people are getting success online at the moment and then using that for fringe success is there going to be a world in which, for particularly for comics, succeeding at Edinburgh Fringe is no longer the path to success that it once was? Is this, in fact, going to be the venue anymore? Well, it depends what people are coming up here for. Because, yeah. I mean, originally, it's, it's like, it is, it's a creative event where people are mm. coming up trying new ideas and wanting to entertain sure. people. And as soon as it becomes a thing where people are obsessed about being discovered, I think it's just going to self-immulate, and that's kind of what's begun to happen, because, yeah. So if it stops being the venue for success, maybe that saves it? As, as yeah, I think so, because, because whereas so many people are, people are having a, some people are having a bad fringe who would normally have a very good fringe. Mm -hmm. Some people have gone home mm -hmm. because it's just not happening for them, because it's being sort of smothered and overwhelmed by a small audience Many more shows. Some of those shows are huge, as we say, sucking in the lifeblood. I don't know if local, a lot of local people dare come in to Edinburgh because it's just so, you know, come into the centre because it's just sort of chaotic nightmare of crowds. Well, they come for the bars. Mm. Um, certainly, the young people do. They don't want. Yeah. They don't want to take flyers, but they're, <laughs> they're yeah. absolutely. But um, I'm, yeah, I was going to say. I know. So, for instance, people that I know, like uh, say Paul Sinha, who has mm. always been a fringe favourite and a fringe success and he's come up this year without PR people and he's doing it all himself and you know he has he said it, it's 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 much harder I mean he he's got enough of a name and a reputation to, to, to keep people coming but um you know it is that I think again I think that's always uh, the case isn't it that yeah. you know the the, the whoever's current now you know 10 years time they'll come back but, no, but I think I think Surely this discussion has been going on since the Fringe began in the sense mm. that there's always going to be people looking to, um, you know, use it as a vehicle. Of, for, course, of course they should, know. but yeah. it's, it's like, 
Um, I mean, what, what I mean is you'll still see all of the, the weird and wacky and wonderful mm. stuff. It's just, you know, sometimes off the beaten track or sometimes it's, um, yeah, harder to find. But I think, um, I think when you've got an industry like comedy, which can make you lots of money, there will always... I just hate the word industry. But I mean, it's because all your jokes on the computer. Yeah, yeah. It's because all of, the, all of the kind of industry does migrate up to Edinburgh mm. and they are the people who are more interested in whether something can sell. But they are obviously walking straight past the, the, mm. the, the weird shows down back alleys, you know, and, and the circus shows and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think we're doomed to have this conversation, like, you know, basically forever. And we have got a smaller amount of people. Is it that we've only got, we've only got 40% of a normal Edinburgh audience? Hmm. Is the one I heard. I haven't seen a stat yet. I don't don't Um, know. It feels like midweek, there's not so many people out. The weekends are still busy. But as, as our awkward silence uh, said here, um, yeah, are they going to the bars or are they going to the shows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, We've been we've been pleasantly surprised, I think, mainly by Friday and Saturday night or, or Friday Saturday afternoons um, so far. But I think that's arguably just good timing. You know, you you, you might struggle if you were um, in a in a slightly earlier slot. So shows that are later in the day, um, you know, probably naturally always do better. Um, but there's still there's still that sense that I think if you've got a good show, if people are enjoying it, they will always tell people. Um, and so if you're if you're confident, if you're doing well, then that 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 pattern will always happen at the fringe. Um, not to say that if you have a good show, um, you know, if you're not getting audiences, your show isn't good because that's that's obviously yeah. not true at all. But um, if people are enjoying your show, then you know they they they, they mm. probably are going to tell their friends and word, word of mouth still yeah. has still has power. Well, that's a really it useful takeaway, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So what are your, we're, we're kind of, we're still, you've not yet hit the wall, I think. Yeah, I think if I was to have been here a week later and talked to you, I'd have three <laughs> jaded performers sitting here saying, oh, God, you know, I've got to drag my backside into the theatre and put on my smiley face and do my shit. But we're still at the sort of relatively optimistic stage. What When you, at the end of the festival, what's your, what would you consider to have been for uh, a, a success, and what would you like to improve, maybe? Well, know? I've had a very good year this year in terms of stand-up, but I've had more gigs than I've ever had before in my life. So if I'd have known that, I don't know if I'd have come up to Edinburgh. But I had a show that I'd already prepared earlier, like like you guys, and uh, which I took to the New Zealand Fringe, where I then got trapped in their lockdown. So when I escaped um, by Canada... Um, <laughs> I was so relieved to be home, but I still had this show and I felt that I owed it to it to keep doing it um, and to develop. we've had so much time to marinate it, it's been great. Um, so I think that I, I'm enjoying my time here, I'm taking it very easy, I'm very relaxed. And so I suppose, I don't know, I just want to get back, I've got, I've got a lot of gigs to do. And with this show, I might keep doing it, see what people think, because it's quite odd and uh, people seem to like it. Uh, lunchy. What does that mean? I was called lunchy. <laughs> lunchy. <laughs> I think it means out to lunch. Oh, right. Yeah. But anyway, so I think I don't have that. I've normally, you know, just a mixture of euphoria and anxiety uh, at Edmund. And I'm not, so far, I'm not really feeling that because I can see that it is, um, you know, a bit different from usual. I'm just taking it as it is and 
hoping to just get more stuff and do more stuff. Yeah. And I get on to just a minute. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. a minute. Just you know, a I've minute. got a very, yeah. very nice voice. People yeah. love my voice. Yeah. Very lunchy voice. Yeah, very yeah. lunchy <laughs> voice. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, this is, as you say, it's dangerous to say this um, this early in the fringe, but I think we're having a we're having a wonderful run so far. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, more so than you know than I did in 2014 when I think you know you you, you finally realise up here what kind of show you have. You don't have a fluke preview. You don't have a uh, you don't have a home crowd. You've got you've actually got to realise that your show is being tested on its merits. You know one lucky show is going to be you know contradicted by uh, you know a much more honest audience the next night. You know, blah blah blah. You you get the full you get the full appraisal. Um, and so far, I think we're well. Speaking for myself, I think we're we're I'm having a great time with the shows, and the audiences seem to be going up um, a little bit. And uh, you know, once you have a show that you know off by heart, and you can almost do in your sleep, it's such a lovely feeling with every gag kind of landing, mm. and the rhythms becoming automatic, and all of that. And you know, that's nice. That's nice if you're performing to ten people. But you know, so far we're I think seeing a bit of word of mouth. Spreading and um, by the end, uh, Hollywood stars. I think by the end of this run, uh, that would be that would be a good, that'd be good. Well, I'd I'd love to give a more spiritual answer and say something <laughs> about the uh, about the experience of the show. But to be quite honest, by the end of the festival, I would love it if we broke even. Yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd love to see some of that investment back. Yeah. Just before I come to Mark on that, can I ask, uh, do you guys, do you, do you have other, do you have jobs beyond the Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, again, this is another change, because we were full-time. No, we never jobbed. We didn't have, we never had a job. <laughs> but, <laughs> haven't, haven't the bravery for that. I'm, I'm a full-time, well, uh, four-day-a-week office worker. I've taken a month of leave to do this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm a freelance writer, journalist, mainly. Um, so I have the freedom to kind of just, just do a month. Uh, up in Edinburgh, but yeah, I I, um, I write for various publications, and yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, look look to be making comedy more a part of that. But as we all know, it doesn't pay <laughs> it doesn't yeah. pay the bills easily. So um, journalism is a great way of channeling that writing. Yeah. There was an amazing thing. Somebody um, Harry Hills brought out a book, and there was a, a page that he uh, from his book that he put uh, in the book, and it was on. Facebook and it was from uh, Maria's uh, diary from the uh, um, Maria from the um, the, um, the the Camden Head and it was like two weeks in February yeah. and oh, all yeah. the acts that were on yeah. and so we're all uh, they're all our names sort of written and yeah. the tip oh, X wow. and things and it's a, yeah. so it says Dave Cohen seventy yeah. you know Eddie Izzard eighty and, yes oh, and, yeah. and somebody who uh, a sitcom geeks person who who's doing stand up now has said. God, that was 1991. He said, "That's the amount. That's what we're getting now." Yeah. I just thought, God, 30 years ago, I was getting as much mm. doing a 20-minute set, and I was doing four or five of them over the weekend, and that was enough to live yeah. in London and survive, and and, mm. and you know, just do comedy full time, not have to have another yeah. job. Thank God we got our pension. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, you've got a lot to look forward to. Just hang so, on in there. Hang yeah. on in there. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about you, Mark? What's the, where's the BCG going? Where are you heading? Uh, as long as people are making comedy, we'll keep documenting it. Really, that's that's our plan. I, um, yeah, uh, that, that that's 
that's a pause we don't need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we're going to keep building BCG Pro up as to put a little plug in there, which is our website for writers and performers. We've got some exciting things coming up in the autumn. Um, but yeah, I just want to go back to this thing about Edinburgh, which is even with online, if you have success there, I don't think anything beats performing, as Ralph was saying earlier, just the same show again and again and again and honing your skills and, and rewriting, etc. So I think the Edinburgh is, is always going to have a place in the thing, but quite where it fits compared to say if you did a run at Camden Fringe, I don't know, but it, it'll, it'll be here. Yeah, Yay. good. I think that's my feeling in the 24 hours that I have been here so far. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it is, it's it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and um, so, thank you all actually. Thank, thank you for, thank you. for thank you. taking time out of your busy schedules. I know, uh, Ralph and Vivian, you're, you're heading off to go out and do some more. Of that great job, the leafleting, the great, <laughs> great unsung heroes of uh, Edinburgh Fringe, the performers who don't just perform, they go out there, they go to those queues, they hand out those leaflets and deal with people saying, oh, no, sod off. Dave, Dave this is coming out before the end of the Fringe, so perhaps they could do a virtual flyer. Can they do yeah. a virtual yeah. flyer? Oh, that'd be extremely yes. cool. Well, we... Uh, sorry, go on, go on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I say Hughes... She, exclamation mark, Immortal Horror Queen's Guide to Life, is at the Counting House at six o'clock, pay what you want at the end. And it's, you know, about my hobbies of jealousy, revenge, obsession, the normal things. And uh, that's it. Not this Monday, though, the 15th. I'm going to Dunfermline for the day. Well, we're going out after that, so this okay. is... So. That's all. completely irrelevant, but never mind. So, if you're in Dunfermline, it's too late. You've already missed Xiaomi in there. So, guys, your, um, your many shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, our first show in the day is The Awkward Silence's Big Break, which is a comedy musical about a father and son who are sent to prison together and have to reconcile their broken relationship. Um, we uh, we have written the, all the jokes and, and, and all of the dialogue, but the music was composed by a guy called Henry Carpenter. Um, and so it's full of songs, full of gags, and... Uh, we play all of the different characters, do all the different voices, and um, don't even wear any costumes or props. We're just doing it all with uh, grey outfits. All out. good. Yeah. Some so, costume. We're not naked. We're not um, naked. Nah. And the second show in the day is our sketch show, Enter the Vortex, which is just an hour, really, of disjointed nonsense. Um, no narrative. Nearly no songs. Um, so it's almost an antidote to the musical. And uh, it really cheers us up at the end of the day. And that's 5.15 at Underbelly Buttercup. Fantastic. And uh, so, Mark, as, uh, you've already recommended one show. Is there any more, one other show? There was one more recommendation. What would uh, it be? The, honestly, people should go and see everything and anything because you'll never, mm. you'll never know. And it's really hard to recommend things because everyone has different tastes. Mm. But uh, there's a guy called Luke Rollison who's a visual mm. comedian. Fabulous. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's an amazing show. And that's at lunchtime at Monkey Barrel. Right. Okay. Fantastic. And I think that's a great uh, point to, to to leave this on. That uh, yeah, come to Edinburgh. Keep coming, whether you can, uh, you know, if it, as a, whether you have a cousin here or not. But do try and find a way to come up. Whatever. There's always going to be new stuff. There's always going to be people trying new things. And I'm so glad that you were all here doing that. And um, thank you also to Mark because you also help us with Sitcom Geeks, getting us out there. And uh, we're all doing all we can to get as much comedy made by new people uh, as we can. So keep coming, keep uh, supporting those shows. And thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a virtual <laughs> round of applause. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
Big thanks there to uh, Mark, Vivian, Ralph and Charmian. And there's full details in the show notes of where to find them if you're planning to go to the Fringe over the next 10 days or so. I've also added the names of some of our listeners who have their shows on at Edinburgh this year. Uh, Sharon Mealy, Johnny Harvey and Erin Hunter. Again, all the details are in the show notes. I came away from that discussion feeling pretty good about Edinburgh. Um, The opportunities that still exist for writers and performers uh, sense that there's life in the old fringe yet. But then a couple of hours later, the uh, Jerry Sadowitz story broke. On Friday night, the most famous offensive comedian of the 1980s and 90s had performed the first of two nights at the Pleasance, but there'd been complaints after that show, and the Pleasance not only cancelled his second show, uh, but issued uh, a robust defence of their decision, saying that Jerry's type of humour would not be tolerated by them in this day and age. Now, as loads of people pointed out, you don't book Jerry Sadowitz and hold up your hands in horror when he makes offensive comments or takes his penis out on stage. It feels naive, I suppose. But I think what this story tells us more about is how uh, the fringe is changing. Uh, More than any other things that we talked about in that uh, chat, the rise of online stars, accommodation crisis, post-Covid drop in audiences, they all matter. Uh, But the thing about Jerry is that he belongs to a bygone era of stand-up when uh, what was called offensive comedy then was very different to what it is now. I mean, there are now plenty of comedians who are defined as offensive these days. Uh, Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle, Ricky Gervais, Jim Davidson. Uh, Unlike Jerry, they have earned this label through uh, carefully curated TV careers. Every now and then, someone complains about their live shows or about something they say on TV. Uh, Each side stands up to defend or attack said comedian, uh, depending on how their own personal beliefs correspond with the political position of that comic. Um, And in the 1990s, Jim Davidson was uh, sacked by ITV because his humour was considered out of step with what the big advertisers deemed to fit with their image. Uh, Davidson ironically moved to the BBC and enjoyed a long career there. Nobody called that woke or cancel culture in those days. It was called free market economics. Uh, Nowadays, it's defined through a prism of politics, although the the, uh, economics of the issue uh, are the same. Uh, Ricky Gervais's recent comments on the trans issue were either spot on or transphobic, depending which side you support. Uh, But the people who attacked him did more to promote the TV special they came from than any other publicity. Uh, Nish Kumar's anti-Brexit comments led to the BBC cancelling his show The Mash Report. But that was merely one more episode in a continued attempt by private media uh, to uh, hope for the uh, denationalisation of the BBC. Uh, The thing is now, we know who these comics are. As the saying goes, if you don't like it, you can switch off. Uh, Ricky Gervais is no more expecting trans supporters to come to his gigs than Frankie Boyle would be expecting Tories. But Jerry's different. He's an equal opportunities offender. Jerry's rude about everyone. Uh, His stage persona is it's misanthropic and although it's years since I've seen him um, I mean I must have done probably 30 or 40 gigs on the same bill as him uh, back in the day. What I remember most coming away from his shows was 
apart from the incredible magic tricks and uh, occasionally brilliant gags, that at the end of the day, the person his stage act hated more than anyone in the world was himself. He was the most original act I ever saw. I mean, there were attempts to get him onto telly, but in the end, he, he just genuinely was the wrong fit. So what this story confirms to me about The Fringe is that stand-up has for a long time been about getting on TV. It's hard to sustain a live career without that. And to do it, you have to fit into the right slot. You can be edgy, left-wing or right. There's plenty of work for you. But until someone young and new turns up at The Fringe with something original that challenges people of all persuasions... I think the power of stand-up uh, as a live uh, event at the Fringe will continue to diminish uh, and the online performers will become our new comedy overlords. That's my fantastically personal hot take on the Fringe. Um, feel free to disagree, write in, whatever, cancel us uh, from, from your uh, regular podcast. But um, I hope you've been enjoying everything so far, and uh, we are very excited to be getting to number 200. James will, of course, be back then. And uh, don't forget, we're recording episode 200 live on Tuesday, the 30th of August at 6.30pm. And if you want to be there, go to Patreon slash Sitcom Geeks and sign up for the login and look forward to seeing you then. Bye. Bye.